You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Let us pray. Gracious, almighty, and heavenly Father, for this day, your mercies, for all that we have from you, thank you. Um, Be with us now. Uh, Come, uh, be present, living and active. Uh, Be the friend of each of us, um, the friend of sinners, the one who has come into the world to seek and save the lost, um, not to call the righteous, but each of us to repentance. Um, turn us to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Happy Lent. Um, just a uh, beginning here of a short three-week series, um, Portraits of the Gospels. Not a great title. I, I was kind of pressed for time. I didn't know what to to um, to do with this because what I really want, I'm still on my art kick, so you, you can leave. I won't be offended, um, uh, which is uh, where I kind of dim the lights. We're going to look at this. For three weeks, there's a particular artist, Nikolai Gay is his name, G-E. He's a Russian. Um, uh, so when you get home and you want to Google around or anything else like that, anything that you're seeing, um, Nikolai with a K, N-I-K-O-L-A-I, I think is how it's typically spelled and then gay, G-E, um, uh, not a typical Russian name. I don't speak any Russian, so this is as far as my, my Russian etymology is going to go, um, but it's a, a French derivative as he was sort of Russian-French um, aristocracy where he came from. Uh, but he was trained in, um, in the sciences. That's what he thought it was going to be, but then uh, sort of Around 2021, 20, a little bit of a scandal, I think. He left the sciences and went towards art. And so he brings a little bit of that in there. Um, born, quick biographical sketch, and then we'll get through all this. Born in 1831, uh, uh, died in 1894, very suddenly. Always interested in sort of the human element of things. I think he was born in February or March, if I remember right. I just got all this on Wikipedia. And then his mom died of cholera just a few months later, I think in June, if memory served. Um, and so he grew up without a mother, um, was raised by his father and, and, uh, and others. Again, I think he came from some wealth and so from some other uh, women who would have raised him. Uh, and then his father died uh, probably a timely death soon after he graduated from university and began his art career. Uh, 1860, 61, so right about the time of our Civil War, you can place that if you want to. That's when he started doing his paintings, um, graduated, and the one that got him kind of first out of out of school in the Russian Imperial Academy was a, uh, a painting he did on the, the Witches of Endor, um, which is a story out of Samuel, uh, and then started painting some other ones, but especially put some of those down. He's a great portrait artist. We'll look at some of those. Um, even late in life, later in life, he became close friends with Leo Tolstoy. So there's this connection to um, a name that we would be familiar with. Um, it came under uh, Tolstoy's influence, also his religious influence. Tolstoy was a, a pacifist and, and a man of his time as sort of the Enlightenment was coming up. And, and, and that's what we, uh, I don't mean this in a political sense, but what we call liberal theology was was definitely front and center coming out of Germany and other parts of Europe, uh, which wanted to go back to the, the to the historical Jesus. Albert Schweitzer, another, um, should get Kevin to rehearse this, uh, a, um, a doctor, famous Nobel Prize winner and all that, but also a theologian of some 
some renown, and he, he started the first quest for the historical. He was part of the first quest for the historical Jesus, wanting to get back to uh, uh, what some people would, would, would separate the, the, the historical Jesus, the, the Jesus of Nazareth separated from the Christ of faith. Now, I think that's a false distinction, but this is just kind of the place where um, Nikolai Gay, our artist, he wants to get to the historical Jesus. Um, that's not quite true. Let me, let me back up, strike that from the record. He wants to think of Christ the man, and his art is a realism. Also interesting, and we're going to look at um, uh, his painting of the Last Supper, which is probably the first one which put him on the map, and we'll compare it to da Vinci's, for instance. Leonardo's the one that we are all familiar with, uh, and it's he wants to paint it in a, in a very realistic sense. Absent are halos, or absent is a sense of the divine. It's uh, especially his crucifixions, like right here, uh, a picture of a man suffering, of a human suffering. There's no interpretive quality. If you were around earlier, um, it was my class, I guess last fall, where I really got into like the Eisenheim altarpiece and some others, and you would see a little uh, 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 lamb, like the Passover lamb. Uh, with blood coming out of its neck being poured into a chalice, which is an artist interpretation of behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world and just make sure we don't miss that. He puts those interpretive cues in there. We'll have none of that in the art of Nikolai Gay. Um, he's not going to tell us uh, about the divine. He's just going to paint and let it be real. Um, and so interestingly, I don't know if this is true or not, but, but uh, kind of like Matt's sermon, Read it on the internet, so hey, must be right. Um, the portrait of Christ, which we'll look at in a minute, um, in or not the portrait, but the figure of Christ in his Last Supper painting, may have been the first uh, instance in which an artist used a model from a photograph as their inspiration or as their, um, I guess, their model to do the painting, which is kind of interesting. Um, uh, so photography is just coming in as a new technology, and so that realism is all centered in there. So that's Nikolai Gay, and then he, um, his wife died. He did marry soon after his father died. Um, she died in 1891. Friendship with Tolstoy was close enough that Tolstoy went and stayed with him for a week in his grief, um, uh, and then he died suddenly in 1894 on his farm and is buried next to his wife. So just kind of a, a simple, quiet life. Um, uh, we'll look at this in just a minute again. Um, but this is Nikolai Gay. You can see photography coming in. Um, this is him in 1888, so about six years before he died. And his self-portrait in 1893, you can see, like I said, he's a portrait artist. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on these because it really is mostly about the Bible. Um, but here he is with his grandchildren in 1891, so soon after his wife would have died. Um, this is just who we're looking at. Um, uh, there's Leo portrait he did of Leo Tolstoy in 1892, um, kind of a famous one. If you're into Tolstoy, you probably would have seen that. And then he even illustrated um, one of Tolstoy's uh, short stories, What Men Live By. And he went through and did a couple sketches and just give you a little feel for what he's doing. So here's one painting um, from Nikolai Gay, Christ in the Synagogue. This could have been a... Uh, uh, a scene from any number of stories in the Gospels where Christ goes into the synagogue. Um, uh, I picked one. This is what I thought we'd do over the three weeks. I always sort of wonder how these classes are going to take some shape. Here's what I think it's going to happen. Um, call it the friend of sinners for today, coming out of Luke 7.33. Um, this is Jesus speaking, and he's comparing himself 
comparing people's reactions to John the Baptist. Um, and then he says, you said this about John the Baptist, and now you're saying this about me. He's basically saying, you can't win with you people, because he says this. John the Baptist has come uh, eating no bread and drinking no wine, and you say he has a demon. So he's a teetotaler, an aesthetic, a crazy man from the country who's hyper-religious, you know, and, you know, and, 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 and you people, me, you, Pharisees, the scribes, everybody else, the religious folks, say he has a demon. And then the Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors, collectors and sinners. And Jesus wants to say, that's, that's right. That's who I am. Um, uh, the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. This is out of Luke 15, the beginning of the, uh, the chapter of the three lost, uh, uh, the, three lost the, 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 the chapter of the lost, um, the lost coin, the lost sheep, and then the two lost sons, what we sometimes call the prodigal son. Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with him. And as simple as that sounds, we just want to sort of square back up and then visually and audibly interact with the stories, these portraits, these scenes from the Gospels, and let Christ's life and death, especially the last week with his... uh, uh, with, with, with several, we saw one a minute ago, of his really gripping portraits of the crucifixion. Um, audibly and visibly, let the Spirit do, if he wants, if he's pleased to do it, do a work on us, just as we interact with stories which I hope are old to us. Um, maybe they're new. But to hear it in a way that, uh, and then to see it in a way that might do something. Because Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. We say that every at least every other week, every communion service is one of the comfortable words that comes out of First Corinthians, out of First Timothy. Uh, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Um, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. For the Son of Man came to give His life as a ransom for many. And for while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. And all the visual and all the audible. I hope we catch some of that. That's what I hope. Three weeks um, uh, here at Lent to kind of help us come through. Yes? Is this one of the more studious rooms, or I don't know how to put it, uh, that anyone could, could not, they could not just walk in any part of the synagogue? That's right. They could not walk in any part of the synagogue. So he had he of a certain level of education. Well, he assumed. Let's, thank you very much. Let's go ahead and start there. Um, here's Christ, central figure. Um, uh, the synagogue the temple is a better way to put it. Um, it is really a complex. We think of it as a building, but it'd be a complex. And you have outer courts and inner courts, and you have then, you know, even inner, inside the inner courts, you have other levels. So you have places that Gentiles could come, and you have places that Jewish women could come, but then you have places only Jewish men could come, but then you have places where only certain Jewish men could come, then you have places where only the rulers the scribes and the Pharisees could go, and then you had a place, the Holy of Holies, where only the high priest once a year after ritual cleansing, only he could. So you have these concentric circles as it goes. And so we're somewhere in the middle here, where it's all men, where Jesus goes into the synagogue to teach, and he does this, gosh, I, I don't think it's even counted in the Gospels how many times he would go into the synagogue or into the temple to teach, and then importantly to teach as one who has authority. And so the first time, he does this in Mark, is the one I pulled out for Mark 1.21. So right there at the beginning, the contrast to the scribes 
describes who again you know, we, we, they get a bad rap and so we immediately know okay they're the bad guys but it's good to remember that I want my daughters to marry the scribes and the Pharisees I mean these were people you would look at and say like that's got to be the right way to go I mean these people are respectable educated God fearing um, doing the right thing sometimes humble you know giving themselves over in the knowledge and fear of the Lord wanting uh, wanting to do good. You know, I think that's a fair way to put it, that they want to do the right thing. Uh, generally speaking, the human heart, you know, is deceitful above all things and it's mixed bag, et cetera, and so forth. But it's that, even that level where Jesus wants to get in there and absolutely interrupt everything. And so here he is coming in and you can see they're over here. This is how I read it anyway. Some of them, and you can't see, it's obviously a sketch, um, so it's a, kind of an early work. You remember, it's just kind of where he started um, in his painting career. And some of them are coming over here, and they're reading and checking on him, you know, doing their fact-finding, um, making sure he's right in the, by reading the book of the law. Some others are angry and coming at him, and these others are coming around. And so here's where the visual, I hope, meets the audible, because here in Mark 1, uh, the first two verses, 21 22, 21 and 22, that's this scene. And then into that, if your mind's eye can imagine, in stumbles this man uh, who has a demon. And just imagine, see, they're already stirred up. they got people checking over here and confronting them over here and some over here, you know, doing all these different things. So you have all the scribes and the Pharisees, the rulers, and then into this already tense situation comes... Uh, uh, a man with an unclean spirit. And so here's how Mark puts it. And then they went into Capernaum. And immediately, that's Mark's word, remember, immediately, straight away, at once, all those words are the same words. You're going to hear that two or three times here, even only in five verses. And they went into Capernaum, he and the disciples. And immediately, on the Sabbath, he entered into the synagogue. So he just walks right in. You're a good question. He walks right in, and he entered into the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority. So here comes Christ walking straight in the door as if he owns the place, completely offensive, into, again, respectable, good people, as you were. Good country people, Flannery O'Connor's words. She also wants to sort of break that bubble. Um, and he just starts teaching. I think you could almost say it's as if immediately he just starts walking in saying, and then this is what Isaiah really means, or the book of the law, you've heard it said, but I tell you this. And he walks in and he starts talking. And they're all looking at, who is this? Teaching is one who has authority as opposed to what? The scribes were good at case law. Again, respectable, good. They knew precedent. They spent their whole life studiously saying, which is a really good idea, by the way, this is how it's been interpreted for hundreds, if not thousands of years. When you read this in Leviticus, this is how so-and-so interpreted. And this is how so-and-so interpreted. And this is how they did it. And so we humbly say, we think they're right. And this is what we want to do. That's what a scribe did. Really good at knowing the interpretive history of a text. And Jesus comes in and says, I speak. Um, who was it? Somebody. It wasn't Tozer. I can't remember. Said he came in when he speaks with authority. It's as if... He presumes to know the mind and the counsel of God himself, which, of course, he does. But that's why it's so egregiously offensive. So that's the scene 
right here. Yes, you want to say something? Is this the time when uh, some of the bystanders said, is this not Jesus? Of, isn't he, is he not from Nazareth? Nazareth, Joseph's son. A little bit later. But could could be the scene. This That could be this scene or any one of another one. And the man of the withered hand comes in who would have been unclean. It's like, what's he doing here? You know, all the different ways that that could be going on. Um, in this instance, in Mark 1, he says, and they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as one of the scribes. And immediately there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. Verboten, very bad idea. Uh, and he cried out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? So now the demons start speaking. And as usual, 100% of the time, we're especially again in Mark, but all the Gospels, it's, who is this man? I don't know who this is. The demons know exactly who he is. 100% of the time, they see Jesus. There is no ambiguity. There's no darkness. There's no hiddenness. The demons know and shudder. Um, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, the demon, saying, Be silent and come out of him, the man. And the unclean spirit convulsing him, the man, and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. And they were... Now, all these people, remember, this is the story. They're already tense and everything, and they see this unclean. They're getting ready to stone him. But Jesus starts doing this, and they all stand back and wait. And they were all amazed. And so they questioned amongst themselves, what is this? A new teaching, not a received teaching. He's not saying, I wish I remember the name. Um, So-and-so said this. He speaks as one who had authority. It's new. It's not improved. It's not recycled. It's new. Uh, uh, a new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once, his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. So that's just one scene. Scene from the Gospels. Could be one of 15. It's probably not an exaggeration. 15 scenes in the Gospel where Jesus goes into a synagogue or into the courts, into a temple and starts teaching as one who has authority. Usually on the Sabbath, and it's usually offensive. And you can just feel the tension. That's what Nikolai Gay is going to help us do, I hope, is to feel a little bit of the uh, the emotion that's present on the page. So questions or thoughts? Before we go to we got two or three others, I'll move through a little quickly. I'm trying to figure out. Right here. This might. This one right here. Yeah, I think that. that might be. You got a really good. That that could be the man with the unclean hand, for instance, the withered hand, or something else like that. I'm not sure, but. but or it could be. Yeah. Don't know. Left with some interpretation, but. And this is a, a sketch. It wasn't one of his finished paintings because you can see he comes to something a little bit more defined. This is actually one of the more. Unique styles for Gay. He's going to have a lot more of a realistic and not an ambiguous, fuzzy kind of impressionistic sense. Here's Christ and Nicodemus, um, John 3, um, from which it's in this encounter where we get the arguably the most famous passage verse in all the scripture. Um, for God uh, so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to the end that all that believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He was speaking to Nicodemus when he said that. So that's the that's the pregnancy of the place. I think I've shown this before. Um, gay, like a lot of artists, are really going to be interested in the light. You see this just this gleam of light. That's where one of the first things I see in Christ's eye. 
really grabs it. Otherwise, Christ is very much obscured. The light of the world presented very darkly. Um, the, the, the hidden God, um, the, uh, uh, the one who is not immediately recognized to all. For you need the eyes to see and the ears to hear, which are the eyes and the ears of faith and not of the flesh. And so you may not recognize him because he's dark and obscure unless you've been given the eyes to see. And Nicodemus at this point hasn't, doesn't have those eyes, but that's the encounter. And here's Nicodemus, one of the rulers, one of the Pharisees, again, a respectable and good man with the turban and all that, just taken in this encounter with this crazy man. Again, the angularity of Jesus that's here, you know, not only characterologically um, in his offensive nature and coming in and and, uh, and upsetting every moray and rule that you can imagine, um, but just the, the his beard, his hair, his nose, just he's angular. He's very sort of at 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 odd and obtuse angles, as opposed to the roundedness, the finishedness of of uh, of Nicodemus, or as somebody once said, Nicodemus, which I think is great. Um, so here's this interchange. We'll remember this. Uh, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews of the Sanhedrin. This man came to Jesus by night. So that's the historical fact, but the, the spiritual import of that um, is repeated a few other times in the Gospels. Uh, uh, coming by night, coming un. Uh, unenlightened, as it were, the enlightenment not of the mind so much as the heart, a turned heart, a repentant heart, a cleansed heart, a new heart, because that's going to be the emphasis that here in John 3 we're going to hear, that he comes to Jesus by night, so obscured and not yet knowing, um, like the demons do, <laughs> you know, Jesus, the one true God. But he said to him, Rabbi, which immediately says, this is very interesting. For here is a ruler of the Jews, a member of the Sanhedrin, who recognizes and respects Jesus. Whether he says it with sarcasm, oh, rabbi, if that's what you are, rabbi. Or, you know, really, rabbi, I'm, 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 I'm curious. I'm really interested. I've heard of you. Who are you? I am a seeker of truth. Um, rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Turn the water into wine, did a couple of healings already. Um, uh, uh, and Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, where there's amen, amen, I say to you, unless one is born again or from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus, being a very good literalist, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born. An echo two chapters earlier, right before the thunder of John 1.14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Uh, John gives us this sense about being a child of God. And so here's this idea of being born from above or born again or born of God, where John would say that we um, are all given uh, the privilege, those that have the ears to hear, the ears of faith, to be born, uh, uh, to become children of God, born not, as it go, not of blood. So just because you're a Jew or an Anglo or uh, from a certain zip code or anything else, a certain family, a certain lineage, that's not enough. Um, born not of blood or not of flesh, not of the will of man, but of God. 
and to hit that point, he's going to go to Ezekiel here in a minute. For Jesus answered, um, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless born is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. For the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound. But you do not know where it comes from or where it will go. For it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Let me take a quick detour. Um, one of the great favorite passages from the Old Testament in Ezekiel. Remember the valley of the dry bones where the Spirit or the wind of God blows through this, this valley of bones where there's a femur, there's thousands of femurs over there and a bunch of humor, humorous over there and there's a skull and, you know, just bones everywhere. Nobody's connected. They're just scattered everywhere. The animals got in and carried them around. It's just bone and bone and bone and bone and bone. And the wind of God, the Spirit of God blows and He brings them all together and it blows again and flesh comes on it and blows again and now there's breath. It's like the recreation with Adam. Um, and now there's breath in there. Right before that, that's Ezekiel 37. And so the wind of God, the Spirit of God, those are the same word, blows where it wishes. He's bringing up Ezekiel 37 before being born of water in the Spirit. Listen to the activity of God coming down uh, to say that I'm going to do this. I will 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 do this. That's the Lord speaking. He says, I will take you from the nations and gather you to all the other countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water, so born of water, on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness. And from your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit, water and the spirit, I will put within you. And I will remove your heart of stone from your flesh. And I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I give to your fathers, that I gave to your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God, and I will deliver you from all uncleanness, and I will summon the grain and make it abundant and lay no famine upon you. I will make the fruit of the tree and the increase of the field abundant, that you may never again suffer the disgrace of famine among the nations. Then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good, and you will loathe yourselves for your iniquities and your abominations. It's a remarkable passage where God says, I am the actor and you are the actee. My creation acts because I will it. I will even call forth the grain and the grain will obey. I will call forth the figs and the figs will obey. I will, call, I will change your heart and you will walk in my ways and you will not hunger, you will not thirst, you will have no deprivation. Um, and then, out of God's kindness, we'll look at ourselves and say, like, behold, I am a wretched man. <laughs> Apart from me, for I am a sinful man. In the words of Isaiah, when he met the Lord face to face in his vision. Uh, that's the similar way that Ezekiel wants to describe it. And this is Christ, the light of the world, coming into uh, a glimmer into Nicodemus's, I might even say his conversion, one would hope anyway, um, as this interchange begins to grow in Christ in his fullness and truth, to stay with John, um, becomes known to Nicodemus, and I hope to you and to me. Um, just a portrait.
think it's amazing the difference in the eyes. The softness mm. or the openness flying towards the intensity. The artist, this is a He's really something. Look at this. I mean, he's just, yeah. I mean, he's just fixed. An artist yeah. I wasn't aware yeah. of that. He's really, he's remarkable. He's got my heart. Um, come back in two weeks. You're going to love his crucifixions. Um, uh, what a funny thing to say, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, a, um, gosh. Uh, English is an odd language. Um, uh, uh, looking at his Last Supper, I'm going to hurry. Um, Again, three portraits, just as he was doing a study, trying to get ready for his Last Supper. Portrait of John the Apostle. Love it. Ex-youth minister. Always drawn to this. John was probably a teenager. All the rest were men. And you know this because of when John died in exile on Patmos. There's this 13-year-old running around with all these men and stuff. I just think that's great. I don't know why, but it's like, probably true. We don't know that, but it's probably true. Mary was probably about the same age, et cetera, and so forth. So there's John. Here's Andrew, and then there's Judas. What a compelling figure. We're going to look at something next week called conscience. Um, uh, I think Judas coming in here. So just getting a little bit of this, especially the Judas painting. Um, Here is his Last Supper. This is what I mentioned earlier, the figure of Christ, possibly the first time in a a painting uh, that the the, uh, artist used a photograph as uh, as the model for, for, for one of the subjects in his painting. Here they are. Here's John. So you can go back and kind of recognize. Oh, wrong way. Um, recognize John. And I assume this is Andrew, though it could be Peter, um, which is a little bit better. Jesus lying at table, because of course that's what they would have been um, doing. It's called a triclinia, if I remember right. It's like a couch. It's an odd way to eat, but that's what they did. It's very much a communal time. Uh, and this is Judas. We'll come back to this, but just to con- Contrast this to again Da Vinci's Last Supper, which of course, just like it's in, it's just it's in our brains and it's in every artist's brain. Um, you have to work if you're going to paint the Last Supper, you've got to deal with Da Vinci. I mean, here it is, but you can see again, sort of just the holiness of Jesus. Remember the contrast that Nikolai's not gay is not going to do that. There's going to be no divinity. There's not going to be the, um, especially in the Russian context, the icons where he's going to sort of lead us with a, a particular pattern of, of painting, religious painting. Uh, you have all this going on. It's, we'll do another one on this. This is pretty compelling, especially this finger right here. Um, but that's another story. To come back and finish, the figure of Judas. Can't see him. Just the darkness. The sin which covers. That which you must do, go and do. Um, for... That sermon, uh, when the uh, the devil left Jesus and uh, uh, to return in a more opportune time, all right here when this hour is being appointed, with Jesus sad, not disinterested, just sad, starting to feel the heaviness and the weight. But the other apostles, seeing Judas get up and leave, and they're dumbfounded, gobsmacked. What's going on? Um, something with the shadows that are cast up. You know, it just kind of pulls this room together a little bit. Because we hear these words, um, familiar words, but um, to hear them again and interact audibly and visually. Uh, And then the day came, the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. And we can remember, behold, the lamb of God who 
you know, um, given for the sins of the world. But now, Passover lamb, um, the Seder meal has to be done. And when the hour came, it's always the entendre. The hour, well, it's time for dinner. It's time for the Seder. But the hour, especially here on the last night of Christ's life, the hour is the appointed time uh, for the fullness of time to come to this one particular moment where the Lord's work done in the Lord's way, which makes no sense, folly to the Jews and foolishness to the Greeks, um, a stumbling block to us all. This hour, this appointed time, no plan B, this is absolutely beneath the Lord's providing and provisional hand to say this is what's happening. This is the hour. And when the hour came, he reclined at table with the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you that I will not eat it until it's I will not eat it again, some, some of the text would say, until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, take this. Luke is the only one that, by the way, because it's going to be confusing. Luke actually has two cups. We're going to hear the same words that we say at communion. But before that, there's this other cup. He says, um, take a cup. And when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it amongst yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And then he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them. That's also an echo of the feeding of the 5,000. That, that, those words are repeated in all four Gospels, saying, this is my body. And we're not going to touch that. So probably four words that have divided the church, four words where more Christians have killed other Christians. That's true than anything else in the Scripture. We've killed probably more. That's eh, probably not true. We've killed a lot of our own over this Eucharistic controversy. And also over these four words, this is my body. That's another story. This is my body, which is given for you. Now, I'm going to slow down there. My body, which is given. Pure gift. Gift, gift, gift. Grace upon grace. Mark 10. The Son of Man came to give His life as a ransom for many. Or as Paul says just at the beginning of Galatians, Jesus gave Himself for our sins to deliver us uh, from the present evil age. Gift upon gift upon gift. This is my body given for you. The vicarious um, gift given for you so that as it's for you, it comes to me. And now what I am, I'm going to give to you. That vicarious exchange. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup is poured out for you, uh, the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with the, the hand who betrays me is with me on the table. For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined. But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they begin to question to one another, which of them it could be who is going to do this. And I'll go to this and we'll end here. Oh, all right, go ahead. I presume that large shadow is that of Judas leaving. I think it is, yep. And what's interesting is he has texture in the corner there. That's not just shadow. That's, he's added right here. To it. Yeah, yeah. That is, in, oh, look at that. You're right. Because the shadow would just be huh. flames. Like a bus. as if the angel of death is in there. Hmm. Yeah. That's hmm. very I didn't see that. You're right. Hmm. This is an amazing artist. <laughs> What he puts into a picture. Mm -hmm. 
Yes? Help, help my way back here as far as see. It looks like there's two heads on Judas. I can't, one on the right there, then what's the, what's the purple? This is his arm, yeah. That's his arm I think, going up he's as he's putting his cloak to go outside. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Can you give that one, one slide, please? <laughs> I mean, they have like the light and the hope because we know how the story ends and, and then the darkness and the kind of scary and the foreboding and the big film in there. Bingo. Yes. That's right. That's what I'm hoping. That's what I'm inviting. Because that's how I feel it too. Sometimes I say, I'll even pray, Lord, let me be there again for the first time. Um, let me hear it again for the first time with fresh eyes of faith. Because that's what it is. I mean, first I go to over and over and over again. I am like a man who, after looking himself in the mirror, forgets what he looks like. And I need to be told again and again and again given for you, for the forgiveness of your sin. Um, it's not like I remember that. And to, to come back into this and, and go like, what do you mean he's going to betray you? Wait, no, you can't do that. You know. And with Peter, stand up and say something outlandish like, Lord, I'll never do that. I'll never betray you. I'll always stay faithful. And I never do. And I never do. And as if Jesus is saying like, I know broken for you. And this is my cup poured out for you. Once, finally, fully, and for all. And this is the picture. It's real simple. Um, Matthew picks it up this way. Um, At the end, this is where he just takes a very small, almost throwaway line. Um, After, because that's Thursday night, you know, Maundy Thursday, when they're having the meal, um, but late and getting out. He dies 3 o'clock in the afternoon on Friday. And so it's that night. He goes out to Gethsemane and prays all night. Um, and the, 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 the Gospels, most of them, say something like this. Here's Matthew. Uh, and when they had sung a hymn at, at the table, probably one of the Psalms, uh, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said to them, and so this is, what, this is the scene he's just catching, going out to the Mount of Olives to Gethsemane to pray. You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, quoting Isaiah, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, so there we go again. We didn't read that part of John 3. I will go before you to Galilee, predicting his resurrection. So last one, kind of blew it up so you can see Jesus. All the apostles, very obscured. You can't see any faces here. Remember, you could see John, you could see Andrew, you could see some of the others. All of them, you're going to betray me, every one of you. Every one of you. Even you, Peter, I know. I know, I know. But after the third time, when the cock crows, you're going to deny me. I won't, Lord. That's okay, Peter. I'll see you. I'll see you in Galilee. But Jesus looking up, just feeling it. And we'll look next week at some pictures of him in the Mount of Olives. And then also another great painting called Conscience. Just a teaser. This is the one I mentioned. This is Judas, one he calls Conscience or... Um, uh, or Judas, where they're all going away after he's just betrayed the Lord. And this is one of his most famous. This is, I think the one that kind of got me into him. Here's Pontius Pilate, and here's Jesus, and it's just called What is Truth? Quidus Veritas. What is Truth? One of my favorites, and so we'll look at that. It's been on a Linton brochure a couple times. So, um, I'm over. Comment or talk? So, yeah. You can Google them.
So gay, that's one reason I spelled it, G-E, Nikolai, gay. Um, oh, you mean where are they physically? All in Russia. I don't think any of them are in, um, I thought about putting those down, but I didn't. I think, I didn't see any of them in like the Louvre or uh, in London. I think they're all in St. Petersburg, Kiev. I don't know. Never been. Good. Are you an artist? Did you do art history or anything? Yeah. So. <laughs> Let me pray. Lord, be with us. Um, take these words humbly and feebly offered. And by your grace, uh, uh, be for us. In Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.